Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, you can follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com or with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It is Wednesday. It is July 19th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. We have phone call time for you today at 10.30 a.m. 602-260-1060 is the number to join the program we'll be making room for alex myers of golf digest joining us around 11:15 as we chat about the open championship get a sense of the golf course the weather and some selections for the week and bob i can count on you to be ready to go tonight oh, yeah. 10 30 p.m on peacock uh-huh. coverage shifting to usa network at 1 a.m right Okay. Um, <laughs> last night I was asleep. It like the Diamondback game ended like you know seeming like like eight o'clock, and the, the Reds game didn't end like nine o'clock. So I was asleep at like nine o one last night. So it was it was an exhausting day of baseball watching all the home runs and all the runs scored. So what I'm hearing here is that you're well rested for today, today, tonight, and <laughs> tomorrow morning's uh, golf extravaganza from across the pond. Maybe I need to restructure my words there. (laughs) All good. We'll have an Alex Myers conversation around 1115. I'll also have some fun little tidbits around 1045 as well. But as we do, let's set the scene with today's poll questions. And we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question here. It's a Diamondbacks-related one. Should the D-backs offer top minor league prospect shortstop Jordan Lawler to the White Sox for starting pitcher Dylan Cease? We now have yes leading the way here at 57% of the vote, no trailing at 43%. Okay, here are some things to consider. First up, if you don't know Lawler, he was the first-round draft pick of the Diamondbacks in 2021. He was sixth overall. He's had not the greatest of seasons. He's a double-A Amarillo right now. Uh, he's hit 243, but he's had some counting numbers. Also, remember, this is a pitcher's league, uh, You know, the double-A affiliate at uh, Amarillo he does have 13 home runs. Uh, he also has 39 runs batted in and 26 stolen bases so far this season. As far as Cease, the earned run average is a little high. He also pitches in a, you know, a pitcher's ballpark. He has a 418 earned run average, but he does have 129 strikeouts and 107 and two-thirds innings. His contract is, is – it, that's not – Scott Boris is his agent, but he doesn't become a free agent until the uh, 2020 before the 2026 season so you got two more years this year and next year those are eligible arbitration eligible years let me put it that way but you know know, he's not like a a rental uh, for two months he's going to be highly sought after there's going to be like Devlin C's trade rumors out there every day including this one from the weekend which was based in Chicago by the way 
So there's a little background if you want to try to formulate your offense or your answer with uh, and use some facts. <laughs> How about that? And there we go. We'll try to use those facts around 1130 when we answer the KDOS 1060.com poll question. Flipping it on over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Bob caught up with Essen Kassim from the Tallahassee Democrat talking all things Florida State football. And if you missed the conversation, you can podcast KDOS 1060.com as well as with the KDOS 1060 app. Here is the Twitter poll question. Is Florida State a legitimate contender to reach the 2023 college football playoff final four? No continues to lead the way at 75% of the vote. Yes, sitting at 25%. Now, I must admit, I don't go through too many of these, you know, top tens and so forth. I don't really care what the preseason top tens are. I've seen a couple and they're, you know, like fourth and sixth in a couple of the ones I've seen out there so far. Uh, like I said, I do not get into detail of this, and I could care less, quite frankly. But uh, they're you know, certainly it, it's worth the question. They won 10 games last season in Tallahassee for the first time since 2016. They finished 10 and third, uh, 10 and three. Obviously, FSU has a uh, you know, Arizona State uh, can a couple of them, a couple of Arizona State connections. Norvell, Mike Norvell, was a former ASU assistant. An occasional sports zone guest back in the day. Uh, he's been the head coach there. This is entering his fourth season. He's done a really good job building the roster, which was bad when he got there. Uh, so that's a, you know, he's done a very good job. I'm not sure if they have quite enough depth to make it through an entire season, but uh, he's done a good job. And Johnny Wilson, who was a really not good wide receiver at all here for uh, Herm Edwards at ASU. Uh, dropped a lot of passes here and just seemed to be generally confused. Uh, he's not confused, and he's still dropping some passes, but you know, he's put himself into possible first-round draft pick consideration, and he's like 6'7", and is you know, athletic and so forth. So I'm sure the NFL people, they look at anybody that's 6'7", and athletic, whether they're any good or not. <laughs> Yeah, everyone always thinks you can mold people into uh, something, right? When you have those those right. uh, those sort of traits that are certainly not uh, teachable, they are just God's gift. <laughs> that would be true. We could we could work with that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into a little bit more about Florida State and the ACC in hour number two. Let's get things started though here with the Diamondbacks as they found themselves in a shootout with the Braves yesterday. In fact, Tori Lovello even joking a few missed extra points in this game. It was a 16 to three win for the D-backs. Zach Davies got the start three and two thirds innings, eight hits, nine runs, three walks, one strikeout, one home run. On the other side of things for Atlanta, Bryce Elder, two and two thirds, seven hits, seven runs, one walk, four strikeouts, and one home run. Uh, the win for the Diamondbacks snapped a four-game losing streak. Meanwhile, the Braves have now lost three in a row. The Diamondbacks need to immediately end the Zach Davies, whatever this is. I mean, they, he should be done. I mean, it's time to designate him for assignment. Uh, if they, you know, if somebody wants to trade for him, you know, they would have 10 days. There were seven to 10. I can't remember if it's seven days or 10 days anymore. They keep changing these things on me, which is so unfair. But anyway, uh, yeah, they, Bumgarner, they let him go because he didn't give them a chance to win. Davies doesn't give the Diamondbacks a chance to win. You know, it, they'd lost his previous six starts before last night. And, you know, he did everything humanly possible, unfortunately for him, to lose the game last night. You know, nine runs, eight hits, three walks, one strikeout. 
His earned run average is now 738. Uh, his whip is just an atrocious 162. Those are numbers you cannot have that guy starting in rotation any longer. He's just been bad. It's not gotten any better. Merrill Kelly might be back next week. Uh, going to throw another bullpen uh, before they determine that, but uh, that would be an easy you know, replacement right there as Kelly returns to the rotation and see you later, Zach Davies. Uh, it, it, even if Kelly doesn't come back next week, just let Davies go, and they're better off just using a bullpen game, which is pretty much what they do anyway when Davies has been pitching lately. Uh, I want to take a second here to talk about Corbin Carroll. He had a couple of wild incidences uh, in last night's game. So you have what happened in the second inning. He struck out, but it bounced in front of the Braves catcher, Sean Murphy. So he ran to first. It was then a wild throw into right field. Carroll ended up at third. He eventually scored. The other play that comes to mind here happened in the eighth inning. He stole second, then he stole third. He didn't score because he was thrown out at home on a single but just his presence just his running ability it puts so much pressure on the opposing defenses it shows up in so many different areas and you have to think that those little tweaks to some of the rules plus just Corbin's athleticism and how they play so aggressively on the bases probably adds up to several wins for the Diamondbacks this season definitely he's good you mentioned his speed and the rules uh, coming in at this uh, time fit him and them, not just Court Carroll. They got other guys that, uh, you know, they've done. The Diamondbacks have been amongst the best teams in baseball. They have the personnel to do it. That helps <laughs> tremendously. But they've also been able to quote, uh, kind of quote take advantage of the rules. However, Carroll has not hit the ball very well at all for you know really the month of July. Uh, you got you know that I wonder. Yeah, I'm. I think he's worn down. Uh, going back home for the All Star Game in Seattle, and going to an All Star Game anywhere, uh, especially for a younger player, is uh, you know quite an experience and an exhausting experience for most. And uh, the fact that he went home and you know, was you know even bigger deal for him in Seattle. Uh, and Victoria Lovello mentioned last week, even before they played the first game in Toronto, that he's got to figure out how to get some days off for Carroll. And I think that there have been certainly some signs at the plate, uh, in addition to the shoulder thing, which we've seen twice, which has nothing to do with fatigue, I don't think. Uh, but if he doesn't look like the same player to me at the plate as he did when he was uh, more quote refreshed, quote unquote refreshed earlier in the season. They need to figure out how to get him some time off. Uh, Andrew Chafin, he's on the paternity uh, list right now, and you've also mentioned it here. Merrill Kelly needs one more rehab start before he can return to the starting rotation for the Diamondbacks. I do have a question on the Brave side of things here. Uh, is it a cause for concern for Atlanta with Bryce Elder's last couple of starts? It's now 12 earned runs for him in six innings in his last two starts. That's not good. I mean, I wouldn't be panicking. I mean, he I think he was their triple-A starter to begin the season. I mean, obviously, with Max Freed, who's not going to return and face the Diamondbacks this week, which was originally anticipated. Uh, but, yeah, it looks like he's going to start either Friday or Saturday for the Braves. And he's been on the injured list twice this season, this most recently for 60 days. He's been eligible for a few days to return now. 
uh, you know, the fact that you know, Elder's been able to step up for him and also Kyle Wright, who it looks like is going to be back in early August, and he has hardly pitched at all this year, and he won 20 games last season. Uh, the, there's zero concerns about the Braves. I mean, they're the best team in baseball, uh, the best offense in baseball. Their defense is usually really good. It was really bad last night, including Olsen, who in that, ten, that ninth inning should have been an easy double play, and uh, he didn't make that play, and that led to the Diamondbacks scoring the three runs to decide the game. Uh, game two is today, 4.20 p.m. Ryan Nelson gets the start for the Diamondbacks, 5-5, five and five, 4.98 ERA, 68 strikeouts. Going up against Charlie Morton, 10-6, 3.20 ERA, 115 strikeouts for the Braves. Be lots of curveballs tonight. So, you know, if you, if you think the Diamondbacks have some guys that hit the curveballs and there's some prop bets out there, act accordingly. Uh, but Morton's had some very good starts. The 320 or run average kind of tells you that. Uh, but he's had some not so good starts. So then we'll see. He gives up some home runs, but he also throws a lot of ground balls and gets a lot of strikeouts. So we'll see what happens. Nelson. Faced the Braves when they were here uh, last month. That did not go well for the Diamondbacks. Did not go well for Nelson. Uh, and uh, he lo- he was a losing pitcher in that game. And he gave up three runs in four and two-thirds innings. And it's a miracle that he did give, not give up more than three runs in that game. Uh, some other Diamondbacks news here, just logistical things of importance. So Major League Baseball took over production and distribution of all the Arizona Diamondbacks games. That got started yesterday. So here's what you need to know. If you do have Cox, the new channel for you to watch the games is on Channel 4. If you have DirecTV, the new channel is 686-3. If you do not have cable or satellite, you can subscribe through MLB.tv for $19.99 per month or 50 $54.99 for the rest of the season, and that's for a Diamondbacks-only package. They're going to waive the blackout, uh, typically with the blackout rights there, so that you can go ahead and go through MLB.tv to get uh, the Diamondbacks games. Now let's look at what's going on in the NL West. You have the Dodgers remaining out in front, 55-39. and 39. The Giants are sitting at 54-41, and 41, one and a half games back. The Diamondbacks at 53-42, and 42, two and a half games back. As for the Dodgers, they topped the Orioles 10-3 yesterday. Michael Grove, five innings, five hits, one run, two walks, four strikeouts, and they're looking for the sweep this morning. It's a Julio Urias start, uh, but the game has been delayed. Uh, it is supposed to be a Julio Urias start. 7-5, 4.35 ERA, 70 strikeouts. Dean Kramer, 10-4, 4.59 ERA, 100 strikeouts. Yeah, Urias uh, it was really tremendous in his last start. The start before that, the numbers didn't look good, but he got dinked and dunked to death uh, in that game. He actually, I thought, looked good in that game too. Uh, so we'll see. They're currently in a rain delay, as you mentioned. This is the third of the uh, three-game series at Baltimore. Last time, obviously, they play Baltimore this season. They're, they will wait forever if they have to for this game to start because they don't want to go back to you know, they they don't want to reschedule this game for later in the season. Uh, I don't even know. I'm sure there's a couple of times where each team has an off day, but you got it's not like uh, you know it's it's not like they're in the same time region, which would be easier to do a day you know makeup game. Remember the Diamondbacks had the makeup game in Washington and they were kind of in the area. They went from Milwaukee to Washington. 
Uh, but uh, you know, there's. I don't think the Dodgers, to my knowledge, I'm not that familiar with their schedule for the rest of the season. I don't even know if they play a, a game in, uh, in the Eastern Time Zone the rest of the season after this uh, particular road trip that they're on. Uh, as for the Giants, they topped the Reds 11 to 10 yesterday. Uh, Dee Sclafani, uh, he you know opened things up for the Giants. It was two innings for him, four hits, four runs, five strikeouts, and two home runs. They did beat the Reds 11 to 10, and so it's going to be Ross Stripling today, who's 0 and 2, 6.11 ERA, 40 strikeouts. Graham Ashcraft, uh, 4 and 7, 5.95 ERA, 63 strikeouts. Actually, the Giants won two games yesterday because they finished the suspended game for Monday night. So they beat the, they won that game in ten innings, uh, and, uh, and then they won the second game, uh, the regularly scheduled game, uh, when the Reds, not surprisingly, had some suspect defense, some suspect managing, and some bad relief pitching, uh, which are kind of unfortunately for the Reds three constants. Then the Reds have now lost six consecutive games, matching a season high. And uh, the Giants, on the other hand, they just don't lose, especially on the road. They've won 20 of their last 26 road games, which is unbelievable. And not surprisingly over that stretch, that's the best record in Major League Baseball. Uh, then you just have over in the AL East here, the Rays managed to still have a one-game lead over the Orioles despite dropping the first two games to the Rangers in this series. Today it's going to be Zach Lydell, 0-1, 6.05 ERA, 19 strikeouts versus John Gray, 6-5, 3.45 ERA, 79 strikeouts. Yeah, two teams at least right now heading in different directions, and we've talked about this with frequency this uh Last few weeks, uh, the Tampa Bay, I didn't think that their lack of starting pitching and all their pitching injuries would really uh, make a huge difference until they got to the postseason. But I think it's already started to make a difference. I mean, it's uh, it's not a particularly good situation for them. Uh, their bullpen has actually been very good here lately. And uh, they've gotten a little healthy in the bullpen, too, with Fairbanks coming back, even though Fairbanks did throw the losing wild pitch on the in the Monday night loss. But uh, the Rays have not had, needless to say, a, a good month of July. And uh, if the Orioles, the Orioles have lost you know, three, you know, two in a row here to the Dodgers, or that that not if that did not happen, uh, the Orioles would actually be in first place in the division at this point. But uh, the uh, the the Rays are just kind of stumbling along, and they've been bad in July. They're, in fact, they're three and ten in the month of July. Uh, we'll certainly get into more baseball in hour number two as uh, we answer today's poll questions. We'll uh, step aside here in the extra point and we come back. Uh, have some questions here for you in regards to the NFL. You'll, you'll have to just play along with me here on this because uh, <laughs> how I'm going to set it up, I know you're going to groan, and then hopefully it'll be okay after that. So we'll see how that goes on the other side of the break. And then, of course, we have our Open Championship preview with Alex Myers from Golf Digest at 11.15. We'll figure out what who we should be taking as the action gets started from Royal Liverpool at Hoy Lake this week. It's all happening here on the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM. 1060 online at kdos1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app powered by superbook sports
Need social information about KDUS AM 1060? Try KDUS1060.com at KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter and Facebook.com slash KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's a great time to download the KDOS 1060 app as Superbook Sports has put up a $100 gift certificate. So download the app, register, and follow along with the instructions for how you can be eligible to win that $100. All right, Bob, I've been around you long enough that I know how very little you care about MVP awards. I also know how very little you care about betting on MVP awards, especially because uh, it's so... I've never done it. It's so subjective, right? Yeah, right. Never done it. I can't imagine a scenario I ever would, but talk me into it. I'm not talking you into it here. Um, Okay. So when it comes to the NFL, though, especially with MVP awards, it's really kind of turned into who's the best quarterback Uh, because that's just how how, who ends up winning these awards. And then if you just take a look at where the odds currently stack up, that's also what it is. You have Josh Allen out in front at plus 700, Joe Burrow at plus 700, Patrick Mahomes at plus 700, Justin Herbert at plus 900, Jalen Hurts 12 to 1, Lamar Jackson 15 to 1. I had to scroll all the way down to Justin Jefferson, who becomes the first player available that is not a quarterback with MVP odds of 100 to 1. Just as an example of this, of where that stacks up, that's tied with Kyler Murray, who probably is not going to start the season, Ryan Tannehill, Sam Howell, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Sam Darnold. So where, where's Colt McCoy on this list, huh? Ooh, that's a good question. I didn't yeah. see him before okay. 100 to 1. Okay, probably not. No. Yeah, so um, that's my sarcastic thing of the whole MVP situation there. But I wanted to say, okay, so MVPs, um, you know, seems to be going in the direction of a quarterback award. But when it comes to the team itself, who is real MVPs for the team? Who kind of makes things go? I thought we could take a look at the NFC West and then maybe some of the contenders around the NFL as we get things started and revved up for training camp here. When it comes to the Arizona Cardinals, my initial thoughts were, of course, Buda Baker uh, because of his leadership, because of his presence on the field and off the field. But then my next thought was maybe it has to be James Conner. As you touched yeah. on Colt McCoy right there, uh, he's likely going to be getting the start at quarterback here. So much more reliance is going to be on the run game, I would have to think, with Kyler's absence. Plus, you just have a whole new style of offense coming in this year. And then my wild card, you can tell me if I'm completely off base here, would be Paris Johnson Jr. Just to be able to learn how to play at the next level, to get ingratiated into everything at the right tackle position. That offensive line needs some stability. And if he has some good success there at right tackle, then theoretically the run game can get going and maybe uh, the offense can be watchable. Yeah, I, I think that he might be the most important player long term, just even starting this year. Uh, Connor, uh, he's the first guy I actually thought of, but unfortunately, um, he's you know had a problem staying healthy throughout his NFL career. Plus, can there really be an MVP on a team that's going to be maybe the worst in the NFL? 
I'm sure we'll have plenty of time to discuss that, right? Hopefully this is our final discussion about that. (laughs) (laughs) When it comes to the Los Angeles Rams, so if the MVP is not going to be Matthew Stafford here, I think it has to be two players, Cooper Cup or Aaron Donald, the obvious choices here. Cup always seems to get open, makes plays, even though everyone knows the ball is going to him. And then for Aaron Donald, you know, the argument has been there for quite some time about him being the best defensive player in the NFL, but also maybe more so here uh, just because because some of that secondary has changed a lot uh, in the last couple of years since their Super Bowl win. Donald was not as good last season. Whether that had to do with, uh, you know, they, they actually, one reason is that his numbers were down because they didn't have a lead in every game. And he just wasn't beelining it to the quarterback for the last, you know, three quarters of every game. So that was one part of the deal. And actually, I know he's not going to be an MVP, but to me, if the Rams have any success this season, I would think that Cam Akers is going to have to have a really good season of running back. The San Francisco 49ers, uh, there's potentially a lot to choose from here with some of the dynamic playmakers, but I guess you'd have to maybe immediately think to yourself Christian McCaffrey because of the way that the team and the the winning streak that the team went on after they acquired him last year at the in a trade. But then I also say to myself, you can't ignore Nick Bosa as he sets the tone on the, the defensive side of the ball and with, with that defensive front and especially then to help set up things in the secondary and then if I want to go with an X factor here you may think I might think Debo Samuel but I would actually go Brandon Ayuk as my X factor or am I maybe giving him too much credit there I don't think you are I mean I hopefully you're not in my fantasy draft because uh you know I actually have Ayuk higher in my list of guys to draft wide receivers uh than I do than Debo and uh, Debo's been hurt a lot college and pro don't quite trust him uh, as far as an investment goes, so there's that. Uh, the McCaffrey thing, once again, he's also had some injury issues, and you know, to me, I think he's, uh, you know, really the the most important player here. I mean, they've got uh, you know other running backs and so forth, but you know, he when he was there last year, you know, he clearly um, made the offense even better than it was for. That's a, the dumbest comment of my life, but. Yeah, it, it opened it up even more for other guys, and that uh, you know, helped Shanahan's play calling, and who's already really good at that. Gave him uh, you know, more options, and the defense, I think, was a little more confused. And, and also kind of helped them, I think, also the fact that you know, he only had a, he was only there for the second half of the season, so they didn't have a whole season of you know, video and you know, tape to try to figure out what they're actually doing on offense. Uh, and then the last team in the NFC West is the Seattle Seahawks here. Geno Smith obviously had a really great year for the Seahawks last year, parlayed that into a contract for himself. So I'm going Kenneth Walker here. Uh, I think he helps set the tone and the balance that you want on offense, and I think that that balance is important for Geno Smith. But then maybe also I'd throw in Bobby Wagner as he returns on the defensive side of the ball. We saw how uh, some of the young draft picks were really important and successful with the Seattle Seahawks defense last year but I think maybe being back in that middle uh, middle of the defense there could be really helpful to set the tone once again on that side of the ball is he still any good I mean he wasn't really that good for the Rams last season so you know, I wonder if he's just played too long 
Uh, so we'll see how you know, something to definitely pay attention to. They, you know, I don't think they would have actually gone out and gotten him if they not had uh, linebacker injuries, linebacker injuries that are going to, you know, kind of sideline some guys for this year. I got real questions about Kenneth Walker, though. I don't, you know, I'm not even sure how much he's going to play. Um, you know, they, you know, Carroll loves the two running back set. They, they drafted the Charbonnet, and I think he's tremendous. And I think he's going to be a better NFL player than he was a college player, whether he was at Michigan or UCLA. And he was not upset, and they weren't upset with him at Michigan. He left because he had a family situation in California, and that's why he ended up at UCLA. Let's save the contenders for the other side of the break. You can also chime in if you'd like to. 602-260-1060 is the number. Uh, this is the only phone call time today in today's show. As 11.15, we'll be making room for Alex Myers joining us, having a conversation about the Open Championship from Royal Liverpool at Hoy Lake, figure out where to go, what directions, and if some of the odds-on favorites are worth a look once again, those odds are kind of tough to swallow, so are you willing to take that risk? We'll uh, get all of those important details with Alex Myers around 11.15, but we'll continue this uh, MVP of the teams on the other side of the break as we take a look at the contenders around the NFL next. He is Bob Kemp. I am Kayla Mortolaro. It is The Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Tune in weekdays to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp from 9 to 10 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060, KDUS1060.com, and with the KDUS 1060 app. Welcome back to Extra Point 1040 on this Wednesday, July 19th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays inspired by MVP odds and how basically things have just turned into an MVP NFL quarterback award. Who actually is the MVP for the different teams? We went through the NFC West in the previous uh, segment. Let's go through some contenders now and uh, I mean it's hard to find someone that's not named Patrick Mahomes for the Kansas City Chiefs the defending Super Bowl champions here but uh, for me it has to be Travis Kelsey right even when everyone knows the ball is going to him he finds a way to slip out of coverage get open even after the loss of Tyreek Hill for the Chiefs last season uh, he still had a ton of production true Uh, no question about that and just to kind of step away from the MVP theme here, uh, a couple things. I'm Well, the one thing I'm most curious about is, are they going to actually finally clear some cap space and sign Chris Jones long-term? If not, is he not going to show up for training camp? Yeah, there's plenty of questions that are certainly surrounding the Kansas City Chiefs there on that front, and it'll be interesting to see how things go. Uh, speaking of the Chiefs, uh, I have been I mentioned here in the show on Monday that I've been watching the Netflix series The Quarterback. I have one more episode to go. Uh, we just got through uh, Patrick Mahomes' injury in that Jaguars game, and so now we're going to be going through uh, how he gets you me, himself. You want me to spoil it for you? I can tell you what happened. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, 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 you can go ahead and tell me what happened. It, it worked out okay. <laughs> yep, yes, it did. Uh, yeah. So it's funny, he said um, at the end of the seventh episode that I watched for the Netflix documentary, he was telling his parents, they were asking him if he, he was good, and he said, yeah, it's just a high ankle sprain, and then he sprained the best ligament possible to sprain. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know there was such a thing. (laughs) Neither did I. Uh, Moving on here to the team that the Chiefs faced in that uh, Super Bowl. It is the Philadelphia Eagles. And, of course, Jalen Hurts made a ginormous leap in his abilities last year for the team. Uh, And just the way that this team is constructed, there's just so many pieces that all play important roles. So I was kind of having a hard time here. But then I settled on A.J. Brown and the difference that he made for the Eagles or do you have to go how it starts with everything up front with Lane Johnson? Yeah, I would say that's a good place. I mean, to me, and I said this a you know, whole time, a bunch of times last year, and I don't think it's changed this year. In fact, you can make a case that they might be deeper than they were last year. And I thought they had the deepest roster one through 53 a year ago, and I don't think that's changed at all. I think the biggest question for me going into the season with Philadelphia is you know Brian Johnson's gone from quarterbacks coach to offensive coordinator, and that's gonna is that gonna be a smooth transition? Uh, yeah, that's a hundred percent true. You lost both coordinators, in fact. Here, I, obviously Nick Sirianni's still there, uh, but just the delegation and things, and how that's all going to unfold. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they didn't lose as many people as they thought, but Hargrave was a big loss. That's true, and uh, you know their defensive front. Uh, turned out to be not as quite, you know, that, that was definitely a thing that hurt them in the Super Bowl. I think a lot of people kind of forget that, you know, a lot of the uh, Chiefs, uh, you know, I don't know if it was quote a comeback, but uh, a lot of them winning that game is that they were able to run the ball with success. Now let's go with the Minnesota Vikings, and this is going to be an interesting team because they made the playoffs last year. You also had the fact that uh, they had all of these wins by one score. And so typically, I guess, when you're just looking at the odds of them being able to duplicate that the next year, maybe there's going to be a a bit of a drop-off. You also have some key players who have left, Alvin Cook. Uh, You have Adam Thielen. You can talk about how he just kind of his production level dropped off last season as well Patrick Peterson moved on so there's been some changes on that Vikings roster here but to me it just unequivocally has to be Justin Jefferson I understand that no question I'll just give you some questions I have going into camp you know you mentioned Cook left is you know Madison Alexander Madison is certainly looked as a he was a good backup running back can he be a number one running back also, they lost a lot of guys on defense, key performers. You mentioned Peterson, and there were others. Uh, Brian Flores is now the new defensive coordinator. Can he elevate the defense, which was a bend but don't break? And they did a good job of that. They gave up tons of yards last year, but once they got to the red zone, they did a pretty good job for the most part, preventing teams from scoring touchdowns, especially at the end of games. So how does Flores deal with the uh, – the defensive talent that he has, which is you know, not likely to be as good as it was last year. 
You know, it's interesting you mentioned about Alexander Madison and how how he's going to transition into being that number one running back. That's always an interesting uh, decision for you know coaches and general managers to make because you see a person that has that sort of explosiveness and product- production here, but now when you insert them into that lead role, how much do things change or does it kind of stay the same? Um, I have no idea. I think it's a really good question. I don't think we're going to know that till you know the season gets underway, and you know it's a tough question for any running back. Also, you know, you mentioned uh, Thielen. He wasn't very good really the last year and a half that he was in Minnesota. He was okay, but his production not nearly as good. Jordan Addison, who was at USC last year and was the Blitnikoff winner two years ago at Pitt, is was there? You know, he's expected to take that spot. I've heard fantasy analysts say that there will be no drop-off. It'll be better. I'm not so sure about that. Then let's move to the Miami Dolphins, just jumping around here for some contenders. Uh, Hard not to go with offense and explosion with Tyreek Hill because he's just such a game-changer. Get the ball into his hands, and he can do so much with it. But could you make the case for them trying to shore up that defense, bringing in Vic Fangio as the defensive coordinator, and then also with Jalen Ramsey now uh, in that secondary? Well, I'm going to go really off the base here. I mean, I'm going to go Teron Armstead, who's their left tackle, and uh, I think you make a really pretty easy case that he was their most valuable player last season. Uh, he missed four-plus games. Uh, he's been, actually missed four-plus games in six of the last ten years when he was at New Orleans or Miami last year. And when he did not play last year, their offensive numbers declined significantly. So he needs to be playing left tackle. He needs to be healthy. See if he can make it through a season. As I mentioned, that has not happened often. The Cincinnati Bengals, uh, you have to think it's Jamar Chase, right? Uh, Because we also spend a lot of time last season talking about when he moves into the slot, how much the production goes up, his usage, effectiveness, percentage, points, yards, et cetera, all go up when he's in that slot position. Uh, Defenses hadn't been able to kind of figure out how to stop the Bengals when they use Jamar Chase in that way. Agreed. Uh, I'll go with one other guy just to mention here. Uh, Joe Mixon, do we know? We don't know if he's suspended yet, I don't think. Uh, they did renegotiate his deal, and uh, they did that when we were on our uh, vacation. Uh, so we'll see what happens. And plus, you can make a case that Mixon wasn't that effective last year when he was there, and they paid all that money for that offensive line, and they didn't really seem to get a whole lot better in some other, you know, they pass blocking was better. But there's certainly their running game suffered last year, and you would think that that would be something that would not happen with Burrow at quarterback. The Buffalo Bills. Uh, so obviously Josh Allen does so much for this Bills offense here, but I guess I have to say James Cook at running back because you have to kind of start to reestablish the run game with actual running backs so that you uh, give Josh Allen the opportunity to, to see the field. He's so obviously very effective in his role, but I think it would help tremendously to have a more balanced attack with running backs or do you go Matt Milano at linebacker with the departure of Tremaine Edwards or Edmonds? Excuse me. Yeah, well, that's a huge loss for them defensively. I'm not so sure that Cook is their running back. I mean, they brought in Harris. Uh, they drafted another guy, so there could be three guys uh, splitting carries at running back. 
And finally here for the Dallas Cowboys, there's a lot happening here with Dallas with uh, you know Ezekiel Elliott not coming back, Dalton Schultz not coming back. Obviously, Micah Parsons, though, seems like the inevitable choice for what he does on defense, the scheme as well. But how about Tyron Smith uh, for the protection on the left side of that line? And if more is going to be placed on Dak's shoulders, and certainly a lot of emphasis here in conversation about the reduction of interceptions this year. Totally agree. Um, I think that's even more important after the news this morning, or at least a report this morning, that Zach Martin, who's, you know, if not the best uh, you know, offensive lineman in the NFL, no matter what position, he's certainly amongst them, that he's supposedly threatening to hold out at training camp if he doesn't get a new deal. We'll get into some open championship tidbits here on the other side of the break. We'll also have a conversation with Alex Myers of Golf Digest around 11.15 for the the actual open championship preview. Uh, that's all happening here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra points. You can always listen to us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Speaking of Superbook Sports, they're putting up a $100 gift certificate right now through the end of July. So be sure you download the KDOS 1060 app, register, and follow along with the listener rewards for your chance to be eligible to win that at $100. We'll get into much more here on The Extra Point on KDOS AM 1060. We'll do what's best for the team and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. here on KDOS AM 1060 and KDOS1060.com. up our number one of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. I'll get into some tidbits about the Open Championship here in just a second, but uh, Major League Baseball games are underway. It was delayed and it's now underway. The Dodgers and the Orioles contest. Uh, It is nothing, nothing though in the top of the first. However, uh, it does look like the Dodgers do have have someone on first base uh, with uh, Kramer pitching right now. Freddie Freeman walked. There we uh, go. So I'm actually, I'm not that, there's not many people this game right now. There's a lot of restaurants. I've been to Camden Yards before. There's a lot of restaurants in the area. So I wonder if uh, people stayed in the restaurants during the rain delay and there'll be more folks because there's been plenty of, uh, been a high attendance in Major League Baseball this year and uh, definitely in Baltimore for the Orioles. The Open Championship from Royal Liverpool at Hoy Lake. We'll have Alex Myers of Golf Digest at 11.15 to get more in-depth here. But things to know, it's a par 71, 7,383 yards this year. It was last played. Remember, Open Championships are on a rotational basis here. So the last time it was played at Royal Liverpool was 2014. Rory McIlroy won. Also, it was a par 72 that year. So a little bit of differences from that time to this time. The favorites, Scotty Scheffler at plus 650, Roy McIlroy at plus 750, John Rahm 12 to 1, Brooks Kepka 18 to 1. Cam Smith, the defending champion, 22 to 1. Patrick Cantlay, 22 to 1. Victor Hovland, 25 to 1. And Xander Shoffley, 25 to 1. Here are some random little stats. 
Patrick Cantlay. Uh, he's always bet in major championships, and you can either look at his statistics in major championships with a positive lens or a negative lens. Here is the positive lens. He is the only player to finish in the top 15 in each of the last five majors. The negative lens, he has never been closer than five shots off the lead entering the final round of a major. Take that for what you will. More historic numbers for Scotty Scheffler. His stats, it's incredible. He's making bogey or worse this season just 10.1% of the time. Here's how historically impressive this is. Tiger Woods has the best historical number of this coming back from his incredible 2002 year. That was at a 10.3% clip. Scotty Scheffler is currently doing it at 10.1%. There's still plenty of season left to go, though. Rory McIlroy, he's still searching for that fifth major championship. Since his last in 2014 at the PGA, he has 19 top 10 finishes, which is the most in that span. Brooks Kepka has 17. Dustin Johnson has 16. Jordan Spieth has 13. Now, when you consider these three guys... They also have 10 major wins in that span where Rory McIlroy is still searching for one in that that time, pan, not time frame. Jordan Spieth at the Open since 2015. He has 19 rounds in the 60s, which is first. He's 4.50 birdies or better per round, which is first, and a 69.07 scoring average, which is first. However, Jordan Spieth not really coming into form right now, having missed his last two cuts heading into the Open Championship. We'll dive into much more of this with Alex Myers around 11.15. We'll get into some floor. Florida State, an ACC football conversation to kick things started in hour number two. It is the extra point here on KDOS AM 1060.